But the great difference is that God provided the sacrifice. There's the wonder, there's the grace, there is the mercy that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Or 1 John 4, verse 10. Herein is the love of God, that he gave his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Herein is the love of God. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Gallagher, and today we're turning to another psalm, to the Psalm 22 that we will call the Suffering Psalm. The Psalm 23 is the Shepherd Psalm, and then in 24 you have the Sovereign Psalm of the King. But here we go straight to the cross. We have these words that our Lord Jesus uttered on that middle tree, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And these words, written a thousand years before Calvary, were the very question of the lonely, suffering Savior upon that middle tree. Praise God, we have an answer in this psalm, and that word is answered for us. Why art thou so far from helping me, and from the words of my roaring? O my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. But our Lord Jesus was not delivered on that cross. He was left there to die, until the very last drop of blood, the very last breath of life was gone. There our Lord Jesus suffered. Stay tuned with us today as we come to this message on the cross. Firstly, we have Al Smith to sing, This Love is Mine. Sound the depths of all the mighty oceans We may tell the distance to the farthest star But the mighty love of God cannot be measured Its dimensions are so high, so deep, so far this love is mine, I cannot comprehend it. This love revealed in Christ my Lord divine. When on the tree he died for me, God's wondrous, glorious, mighty love this love is mine I behold his love in every golden sunset I can see it in the beauty of a flower and I feel it in my heart since Jesus touched me and redeemed me by his wonder 
working power and someday I'll thank him face to face in glory when with all the millions at his feet I fall and through countless ages there I'll live rejoicing sing forever at the wonder of it all this love is mine I cannot comprehend it this love revealed in Christ my Lord divine when on the tree as we read through the Psalm 22 that you could see that Calvary is written all over this psalm. There's hardly a verse, there's hardly a statement in this psalm that is not directly referring to that day and those hours of the suffering of our Lord Jesus upon the cross of Calvary. The opening words, the opening question, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That is the central cry of our Savior on the cross. There are seven sayings, seven cries of our Lord from the cross. This is the fourth one, the center one. And it is at the end of the three hours of darkness. Uh, the darkness began at midday right to about 3 p.m. And it was during that time that our Lord suffered his spiritual sufferings. Uh, prior to that, of course, there was the nailing to the cross. There was the blasphemy and the curses of men. There was the cruelty of men, the night of flagellation before, the weakness of his body, the nails in his hands and his feet, the pure agony of the Roman cross. Uh, our Lord Jesus went through all of that. And then the three hours of darkness, when God turned his back on his son. And our Lord Jesus cried out these words, Why hast thou forsaken me? And at the end of those hours of darkness, very, very close to his hour of death, giving up the spirit, our Lord Jesus felt hell for us and entered into sufferings that are totally beyond our comprehension. Man was shut out. Gospel writers who wrote of these things just called it three hours of darkness. There was nothing that they could record beyond the darkness. And of course, the words, the cry of our Lord, Why hast thou forsaken me? 
I want us today to take those five words, Why hast thou forsaken me? And to look at the scene, look at the sufferings of our Lord Jesus. Why? That is the question and the questioning of the sufferings of our Lord Jesus. No other religion has a founder head who suffered like our Lord Jesus. The Muslim religion of the world has their prophet, but they do not have a founder like our Lord Jesus who suffered. Jews, they want to recreate the temple, and they want to reinstitute animal sacrifices right in Jerusalem. They make that their intent if they can have the way to do it. And that, of course, is the offering of animal blood and sacrifices, reinstituting Levitical practice uh, in Jerusalem itself. But of course, they do all of that in blindness and denial of the all-sufficient sacrifice of our Lord Jesus. They bypass the cross. The Jewish religion is a cross-less religion. Then there's the religion of the heathen, even around the world to this day, and they offer their children as sacrifices to their gods. What a dark, dark, miserable practice that that precious little gift and bundle that God gives to them, that they take them and offer them back to their angry gods as some form of appeasement. Many would say, well, Christianity is no different because you're always preaching about a cross and a Savior and a crucified Lord Jesus. And yes, it's true. We preach Christ crucified. But the great difference is that God provided the sacrifice. There's the wonder. There's the grace. There is the mercy that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Or 1 John 4, verse 10. Herein is the love of God, that he gave his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Herein is the love of God. So why? Because of the love of God. And because of God's grace to sinners, that he would pluck us out of the broad road to hell that we would never be in hell, that we would have eternal life, never perish, never perish. That's the why. This is the good news of the gospel. This is the wonder of Calvary, that God turned his back upon his son, that he may receive you and me into his family, into his heart, that we would be the children of God. So the answer why is God's infinite love. It's a plan of grace, a plan of mercy, a plan to save his people from their sins, and God planned the cross. And that's why God could reveal to David 1,000 years before the cross, before Calvary ever took place, why he could write these words and get it so accurate. The very piercing of his hands and his feet are mentioned in this Psalm 22. And God had it in his mind from before 
the foundation of the world, before Adam and Eve ever committed the first sin in the garden, God had a Savior in mind, and he gave to them the promise, the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. That's the first gospel promise in the Bible. And the why is God so loved the world that he planned that cross? As we come to take the communion and bread today as believers, and we invite every believer to participate, everyone that's saved by grace and has trusting in the Lord Jesus, we invite you, you may be a visitor here today, but if you're a believer in our Lord Jesus, we invite you to participate in this. And when we take that cup and this bread, and we have to ask why, why do we do this? And the why is that we accept God's plan. We accept God's plan. We accept God's love to us, God's way of reconciling us unto himself by the death of his own son. So that's the why. We, we come now to why hast. There's the historical fact of Christ's suffering. And here, uh, what was prophesied to David a thousand years before, uh, it became fact. And it was all fulfilled. There's the reality of what took place on Mount Golgotha. And there's the fact of those hours of darkness when the world was plunged into darkness. It was reported even from Egypt uh, that uh, this darkness was visible and noticeable by those at a great distance. Now, it is amazing uh, that God would forsake. God did this. Why hast? It's something God actually did. Now, we know that men rejected the Lord Jesus and turned away from him. He came unto his own, his own received him not. There were those who even ate of the bread and the fishes that were fed, and yet they rejected the Lord Jesus. There were those who cried out to Pilate, crucify him, crucify him. All oh, the betrayal of those words, even Peter. And what grief must have filled the Lord's heart as Peter said, I know not the man, but God, God, to turn his back upon the Lord Jesus. Of course, he was rejected politically, religiously, by his family. Even those of his own brothers rejected him, didn't believe on him until way after. And then God turned his back on his own son. We have to be realists today. We have to come to this table with a sense of history, a sense of what actually happened. This is not theory. This is not some idea of modern church life. This is what God asks us to remember of the history of this very event, the historical fact that took place. Then the word thou, my God, my God, why? Hast thou, why hast thou forsaken him? Who is this that asked our Lord Jesus to go through these hours of suffering? 
He is the Lord God. In verse 3 it says, But thou art holy. And it's because God is holy that he must judge sin. He is the righteous God. But he's also a redeeming God. And it was God who planned this cross. It was God who executed the very darkness, the desertion, and the separation from his Son. It was God who's holy, who cannot look upon sin. And yet, 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that God made him, his Son, the Lord Jesus, to be sin for us. And God, when he made his son to be sin, he couldn't look upon him. God is too holy. God is too righteous to look upon sin. And so he turned away from his own son. And so our Lord Jesus endured hours of hell. What is hell? Separation from God. Depart from me, ye cursed, I never knew you. That's the pronouncement that every unconverted, unsaved sinner will hear. Separation from God, that's hell. And our Lord Jesus, on that cross, endured hell for us. He put himself into the furnace of God's fiery wrath and endured God's anger righteous judgment, punishment to save his people. And we're told in the Bible that God spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all. There is that righteous God forsaking, abandoning, deserting his own son. We come to the word then forsaken. My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken. I want you to know that what was happening at Calvary was not God's chastisement. Chastisement is God's way of training us. When we chastise our children, we train them. We are seeking to correct them and direct them in the right way. Our Lord Jesus did not need correction. He did not need training. But there was in his death the abandonment. He was forsaken by his Father, because he was made sin for us. And there Christ endured the sufferings, the agony of Calvary. We come now to the me. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why the Lord Jesus? Why this person because he was the innocent substitute suffering in the place of his people. And here's the mystery of the question. Why this person? Because he was God's son. He was God's only son. He was God's sinless son. He was his harmless son. And that's the mystery. God poured out his wrath. He forsook and abandoned his own son, to save you, to redeem you, to deliver you. There is 
the mystery of this question. And there's also the mercy in this, because God made his son to be our substitute, to take our place, to die in our very place. He was God's lamb, innocent, suffering, but not for himself. It was for us. In Romans 5, 8, we are told that uh, God loves sinners, and God gave his Son for sinners. Romans 5, verse 8, For God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, there is substitution. There is the instead of me sacrifice of the Lord Jesus, stepping in as our substitute for us. And substitution is the genius of Calvary. It is the wonder of it all, that though I was sinful and bound for hell, God planned the cross that his son would take my place and suffer and endure the wrath of God's judgment due to me. There's the genius of Calvary. And that leads us to the grace of Calvary, because God has found a way to save my soul. God has found a way to redeem me and you and to give to us eternal life. And when you come today as a believer to take the cup and the bread and to eat and to drink, what are you doing? You are saying, I rest in, I rejoice in this substitution. That that blood, that cup that represents the blood of our Lord Jesus, that that blood was shed for me. These are the words of the Lord Jesus when he instituted the Lord's Supper. This is my blood, which is shed for you. This represents my blood, which is shed for you. And as you take that cup today, you are expressing that you delight and rest in this whole substitution, this mercy that comes to you. And as you take the bread to remember the death of the Lord, as you remember his sufferings, you know that that body was led down at the cross in your place to save your soul, to give you eternal life. There's substitution, and that's the great grace. And of course, it's the good news. It becomes the good news that we can share to the world. This becomes now our testimony, that we can tell the world God has forsaken his own son, his sinless son, to be our Savior. And I wonder today if you have come to this complete trust and rest in the Lord Jesus, just to trust him, just to rest in him. We started off our service this morning, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. And all the, the troubles and trials that come to the Christian, we find our peace in just fixing our hearts and minds on the cross work, the death, the sufferings of the Lord Jesus 
and say, that was for me. And it's done. It's complete. It is the good news of the gospel that I receive and rejoice in. I know that I'm saved. I have eternal life. This is the peace that marvelously and wonderfully fills the heart of the Christian. So I'd ask you to read the Psalm 22 over and over. Memorize these verses. Get them into your heart. Rest in them. Rejoice in them. And let the Lord flood your soul with all his fullness. Oh, tell me more So much I need His power to keep His hand to lead Tell me more of Christ my Savior On this glad theme dwell o'er and o'er His boundless grace, His saving favor His precious name, oh tell me more comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 187 Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, 
links to our sermons and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. There you can find a link to our Sunday services that are broadcast online. For all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of his precious word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7.30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. And this is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. on this station for our full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of his word.